Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be a part of this year program, those of you on the phone, stand by. I will get to your calls before I am done with this segment. Uh, but there's some news out there i got to talk about real quick. The Texas Republican Party has been conducting polling of its voters. In October, they asked Texas Republicans this question. If the upcoming 2024 Republican primary for president were held today and the candidates were Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Mike Pompeo, Nikki Haley, and Mike Pence, for whom would you vote? And Donald Trump was 17 points higher than Ron DeSantis, who came in second place. They've asked it again this month after the midterms. Same question. It is now Ron DeSantis in the lead at 43% and Mike or Donald Trump at 32%. Tim Scott at one, Mike Pompeo at one, Nikki Haley at four, Mike Pence at five, undecideds at 13%. And then they asked this question, if former President Donald Trump declines to participate in 2024 and your remaining candidates are Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Mike Pompeo, Nikki Haley, and Mike Pence, for whom would you vote? Ron DeSantis at 66%, undecided at 16%, Mike Pence at 8%, Nikki Haley at 5%, Mike Pompeo at 3%, Tim Scott at 2%. I'm getting this sense that the election has begun that shift, and there are people who refuse to accept it. They've seen this before. They don't think it'll last. There are some people who are financially invested in keeping Donald Trump around and will do everything they can to continue to make him relevant. I was in Louisiana this weekend visiting my parents, went to church with him on Sunday, and there are a number of people in the church who were big fans of Donald Trump. And many of them came up to me at church on Sunday and said, I guess it's time to move on. Yeah. There's a resignation setting in that you can have Trumpism without Trump. But with Trump, you may get nothing. You may get a perpetuation of the Democrats. There is a move towards looking at Ron DeSantis. And what I find interesting are the people who are out attacking Ron DeSantis now claiming that he is part of the establishment. Ron DeSantis was actually a member of the Freedom Caucus and actually helped oust the Republican Speaker of the House, John Boehner. He ran as governor of Florida and the Republican establishment aligned uniformly against him. And he won nonetheless. And he's won a second term for governor, growing his percentage of the vote to a 20% win winning 56% of Hispanic voters in Florida, non-Cuban Hispanic voters at that. 
he's going to be under fire now. He, it's going to become relentless. The attacks on DeSantis will continue to grow from the GOP because he clearly is a front runner for president and everyone is going to have to go through him to get the nomination. And that includes Donald Trump, who's already doing his best to undermine DeSantis. DeSantis is not taking the bait. He isn't even sworn in for a second term. Uh, To him, he's running for governor of the state of Florida. He's won, and he's going to be governor of the state of Florida. DeSantis was met with a crowd on election night chanting two more years, two more years, not four more years. We all see the writing on the wall. DeSantis ignoring the writing on the wall right now to be governor of Florida buys him time and helps him, him ignoring Donald Trump's attacks matter. Someone who's not on this poll, who's not considered as Glenn Youngkin of Virginia, who also seems to think he wants the job for president. Now, the Virginia governor is only one term. You you, you get one four-year term in Virginia. Even Thomas Jefferson had a a four-year term. You can come back later, but you can't have concurrent terms in Virginia. Youngkin has a lot of money. He seems to want it on a path forward. Uh, a a Yunkin DeSantis fight would be interesting. A Yunkin De, or a DeSantis Yunkin ticket would be intriguing. I've always been partial to like Tim Scott uh, as like a vice presidential pick, if not a presidential pick. I like Tim Scott a lot. Uh, he doesn't poll very well. I don't know that he wants it. But this is all to say the GOP has options, and there does appear to be a psychological shift happening within the GOP that has been the party of Trump and now seems to be up for grabs, in large part because so many of the candidates Donald Trump picked in narrow seats did so poorly last Tuesday. The voters see the writing on the wall. If there's one thing Republicans don't like, it's losers. Republicans do not like losers. And Donald Trump was able to concoct the fiction of 2020 that he didn't lose, it was stolen from him. But interestingly enough, on election night this year, all of the Republicans who weren't Trump people won. So apparently the only person an election can be stolen from are Trump and his his acolytes. That sort of matters when you head into 2024 if the stakes are big. Uh, you got the Supreme Court. Um, surely you'll, you'll have somebody. Clarence Thomas isn't getting any younger. The Republicans have a path forward, though. If you like the policies Donald Trump gave you, if you have to make it about Trump, you probably don't have a path forward and you're going to need to rethink things. And maybe this will have to be fought out in a Republican primary. What I can tell you is you have a problem, Republicans, and it's this. 13% of the GOP voted Democrat in 2022. How many Trump supporters will only vote for Donald Trump? You do have a path forward in a state like Georgia, though, where you had Brian Kemp opposed by Donald Trump, hated by Donald Trump, lost some of Trump's core supporters, and still overwhelmingly won his election against Stacey Abrams. Someone else could do that nationally. You just have to find that person. Now, to the phones, I want to start with Tom. Welcome to the show, Tom. How are you? Doing, doing great, Eric. Hey, I, I got one question for you. Okay, you were just talking about Jim Jordan, McCarthy, and all them. Um, what about, and I don't know what the qualification to be speaker, but when you look at Florida, I actually was somebody who voted with the hanging chads back in 2020, if you can believe wow. that. But, and yeah, uh, my first, uh, I'm not going there. Anyway, what about somebody like um, Byron Donalds, who young, 
well I mean, can articulate what what he's what he's for, or somebody like uh, Maria Salazar, uh, Maria Salazar from Miami, uh, Cuban. What about somebody like that instead of the, the the people we keep hearing about? All the I mean. Yeah, Look, I, I think they're going to have to find somebody like that, somebody who can build bridges across the party, who is well regarded by everyone within the party. Uh, I suspect, though, that it's going to be someone you and I don't know off the top of our head. Like it's going to be somebody we've all got to Google because uh, some of the people who are on TV right now are people who have built certain bridges and also burned certain bridges. And they're going to have to find a, they're going to have to find someone who can build bridges to both sides. Essentially, what I am being told is that some of the thinking right now is there needs to be a caretaker speaker who says, "I'm just going to be here for the next two years, and when we expand the majority, I'm going to go back to a back bench." If they can pull that off, it would be intriguing. Good luck getting that person to actually surrender power once they have it. But that seems to be their play. Kelly, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I had a comment about you were talking about people heading for the exit on Trump. I, I'm a, I go to a conservative coffee club, and when I first started going there, everybody was Trump, 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 Trump. And then, you know, including me, I'll admit it, because I, I appreciate his policies. But, you know, slowly, there's a couple that are just diehards, but slowly the people have drifted away. They say, you know, they're tired of him whining about losing. You know, they're ready to move on. We gotta, we're gonna, if we're going to win, we have to move on. And I thought that was really interesting when you brought that up, and uh, I have noticed it. And uh, with other friends that I've talked to, they've 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 had it with him too. They're just tired tired of him crying. Yeah, that's all. I, it's it, I, it. Just there's there's something different now, and maybe it won't stick. Um, but there is something I I I'm noticing this more and more. Even even callers to this program. But also these statewide polls, there's been one now in Georgia as well that shows the same thing, that DeSantis leads Trump. There's been one in Texas. There's been one in Tennessee. There's been one in Missouri. Obviously, there's one in Florida shows the same thing, that there just seems to be this slow drift away. Everybody likes him. Everybody wishes him well, but everybody's ready for the future. And I I think that's what it is. It's no one's turning their backs on Donald Trump. It's just they understand there's a path forward we would not have gotten to without him, but that we can't take the path forward with him. We thank him for his leadership and service, and now it's kind of time to move on. Charles, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Yes, sir. Can you hear me, sir? I can hear you. Welcome. Oh, no, Mike, I really just have a comment more than anything, and um, that is when you look at um, something like CRT, critical race theory, and you're asking somebody that you're teaching to participate in something that is to- totally corrupt. You can't expect people to be good citizens as they learn of it. That's my view on it. And I think the same thing goes for Donald Trump and the stolen election, because as long as people think that the system is so corrupt that it, it doesn't matter to participate in it because you can't make a change that people become less enthusiastic about doing it. And the sooner we put this in the rearview mirror, I think the sooner that we'll be able to come back and have a real red wave. Yeah, listen, Charles, that's a good point. Um, The number of people, I think, who talked themselves out of winning, 
I get all the time people saying, well, because they're early voting and the early ballots now, it's corrupt and we can't win. But you did in Florida. Five million early votes were cast and you won. In Georgia, you had two million early votes. Brian Kemp, the entire slate of Republicans in, in Georgia won, except Herschel Walker, who's now on a runoff. Uh, same thing in Missouri. Um, in Louisiana, Republicans actually beat the Democrats in early voting for the first time ever. It's possible to do that. Even in Arizona, Carrie Lake and Blake Masters are losing, but all the other Republicans are winning. In Wisconsin, Ron Johnson's going back to the Senate, even as the Democratic governor won there. I mean, it's clearly possible if you look at what happened. The patterns and practices suggest there was not a widespread theft of this election. It suggests that Republicans were convinced they couldn't go vote early. And then a lot of Republicans are so tired of the other Republicans, they packed up and moved over to the Democratic Party. What do you do to get them back? This is the craziest thing. They like the policies Republicans offer. They just don't like the current crop of Republicans. You got to change your candidates, not change your values, and you win. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do-tank. Americans for Prosperity is a -a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, let's go to Dan. Welcome to the show, Dan. How are you? Hey, Eric. I'm doing great, man. Thanks a lot. I, first-time caller, long-time listener. Uh, back back before you were famous, even. So <laughs> glad, glad to see you. Glad to see you going up in the ranks here. Hey, I got a question for you. I agree with everything that you said this morning. Everything that I have heard, I absolutely agree with. It's time to move on from Trump. I I voted for Trump twice, but the second time was simply because there was no other option that presented itself, and I sure didn't want to go Democratic. So my question is this. How do we take these thoughts? How how do we marshal and, and muster around these thoughts and make it something that can truly happening happen. For instance, I, I don't have all the names and the numbers in my phone that you do, you know, to make the contacts. I, I, I don't have all the emphasis. I, I have one vote and maybe a little bit more than just that as far as influence goes. But the fact is, is that I, I think we need to do this. I think DeSantis is the horse we need to ride. I think Trump needs to be in the rearview mirror with the thanks that you said uh, it's appropriate for him for getting us there in, in uh, you know, 2016. But how do we do that? What's the action plan? That's my okay. question. Okay. Uh, good question, Dan. Thanks very much for listening uh, and being being such a longtime listener. Uh, this has to be something the leaders of the party do not impose themselves. I was listening to, in fact, Philip told me I needed to go back and watch 
the Dave Chappelle uh, opening for Saturday Night Live on Saturday. And one of the things Chappelle said is that in, in 2016, he knew Trump was going to win. And he talked about the debate with Hillary Clinton, where Hillary Clinton talks about um, essentially telling Donald Trump, you know, he he took advantage of the system. And Donald Trump says, y- you're right, I took advantage of the system. I know the system's broken because I've made money off the system. I know the system's rigged because I know how to play the game, and I played the game. And I didn't pay taxes because I'm smart. Uh, you won't change the tax code because your donors depend on it. And essentially called out the brokenness of the system in Washington, D.C., and admitted that he took advantage of it. And Chappelle says he was amazed by that. He didn't vote for the guy, but he could see why so many people did. We all understand that Washington, D.C. is run by a group of technocrats who believe that they can flip switches and turn knobs and stack the deck against you and me in favor of their friends. You find a Republican at the state level who's willing to call that out. You find someone who can keep Trump voters from disappearing. You don't need Donald Trump. There are a lot of people who think you have to have him. I don't think so. I think you could have someone who runs against the whole system, who runs against the Republicans and the Democrats alike and does it from one of those political parties, hopefully from the GOP. And I I think that person can gain some traction by calling BS on both sides. Will make that person popular with the party leadership, but can make that person popular with the voters. And I do think we're going to have to show voters that you can get a lot of the same policies without that same leader. You know, um, Paul Ryan and several others have come out and said maybe DeSantis is the way to go. And Trump supporters said, see, prove, prove the establishment likes him. That's not actually what's going on here. They're, they're trying to offer up the compromise. You know, we don't particularly like this guy, but I think he's probably more electable than Trump, and maybe we should go with him, give Trump voters what they want without Trump. I mean, that's actually a pretty smart way forward uh, for them to 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 proceed, I think. Um, the fact that they people are trying to make DeSantis establishment is kind of nonsensical if you understand who he is, one of the founders of the Freedom Caucus, who helped overthrow John Boehner's speakership. Not exactly establishment there. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this here program? Some audio for you real quick. This is Josh Crashauer from Axios. Well, Trey, you know this uh, more than almost anyone. Candidates matter. Uh, and you need to have good candidates who have a track record of winning elections to have the best possible chance of performing in these big battleground states. So, like, if Governor Ducey ran in Arizona, if he decided to, to jump in that big Senate race, I think that would have been a very winnable state for, for Republicans. If Governor Sununu decided to jump in that New Hampshire Senate race, Republicans would have a much better chance than what ended up happening on election night. But what happened, especially on that Senate side, is that some Republicans were scared away. From, they didn't want to deal with the primary. They didn't want to deal with, with some elements within the party. And then there were also a lot of candidates that were more celebrities, uh, you know, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, who I think ran a pretty good campaign in the end. But he also had to thread a really tough needle between getting energy from the base that was skeptical of his campaign and also winning over those suburban swing voters that ultimately moved more to the Democratic Party on election night. 
Uh, one more. This is Joel Payne on CBS. I just think that's mistaken. Also, like, I, look, I love all this, um, you know, deep introspection of the Republican Party. But I do think <laughs> you should think about Democrats here, particularly President Biden. So, you know, talking to folks who are pretty familiar with the president. Because you're saying thinking, they didn't lose. You won. I, that's what I'm saying. If you talk to people who are familiar with the president's thinking, curb, though. You they know will, that. I, I am. <laughs> they will tell you that the Biden coalition is pretty durable. It showed up, obviously, in 2020. It looks like it showed up mostly here college educated, young voters, Latinos, particularly um, in some of those areas where we thought they wouldn't show up, African-Americans, um, independents being competitive with them. That coalition showed up in 20, showed up in 22, and I think they think it could show up in 24. Also, candidate quality matters. Some of the folks that you referenced, those are some of your better Republican candidates. Right. The reason why Republicans struggled, I would say, is because the candidate quality imbalance was way in the favor of Democrats. Now, listen, Joel Payne is a Democrat, but he makes a point that I would dispute that there really was a coalition of Biden voters who showed up at the polls this time. It's not really true. Had those Republicans not voted for the Democrats, they would not have had the wins that they had, uh, which is something the GOP can do. to these, these aren't lost Republicans. They're not people claiming to be Republicans. They're not rhinos. These are Republicans who are kind of exhausted uh, by what they see as is the party still coddling Trump. You you move on to someone new, they come back. There's a path forward here for the GOP and, and not necessarily a path forward here easily for the Democrats in large part because of the economy. I want to play this audio. This is an interview with Jeff Bezos. You need to hear this. We are in some tough economic mm. times. Yeah. Some people say that perhaps we're already in a recession. Do you think that we're in one? And what is your advice for small business owners? I, I, I don't know whether we're technically in a recession. I know economists argue over that, and they have certain technical definitions. What I can tell you is uh, the economy does not look great right now. Things are slowing down. You're seeing layoffs in many, many sectors of the economy. People are, are, are slowing down. Um, the probabilities say if we're not in a recession right now, we're likely to be in one very soon. So my advice to people, whether they're small business owners or, you know, is uh, uh, take some risk off the table. If you were going to make a, a purchase, maybe slow down that purchase a little bit. Keep some dry powder on hand uh, and, and, and wait a bit and see how. Try to reduce some risk in your, uh, in your business or your life. Well, you tweeted batting down the hatches. Mm -hmm. That's what you mean by That's that? That's what I mean. Well, if you're an individual and you're thinking about buying a new, you know, large screen TV, maybe slow that down. Keep that cash. See what happens. Same thing with a refrigerator or a new car or whatever. Just take some risk off the table. If you're a small business, maybe uh, delay some capital purchases. Do you really need that new piece of equipment? Maybe it can wait a little bit. Have some cash on hand. Just a little bit of risk reduction could make the difference for that small business uh, if we do get into even more serious economic problems. So you got to play the probabilities a little bit. Any idea in terms of what you're hearing or just with your expertise as to how long this recession could last? I don't think even the most uh, experienced economists in the world can answer that question. It's a very challenging thing to try and estimate. So I think you have to, you just have to try and uh, be reasonable about it. Take as much risk off the table as you can for yourself. You know, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Jeff Bezos is not a dumb guy. And he's telling people to prepare for something. We are more likely than not going to be out of a technical recession and into a full-blown one within the next year. 
And it will come at a time when the Congress is deeply divided, where the parties are internally divided against themselves, and where our president is an 80-something-year-old who's got to be led around. There will be deep geopolitical instability. There is a malaise, to use Jimmy Carter's words, in, and I suspect that uh, Democrats who get very comfortable with what happened this past Tuesday are within two years going to be wondering what happened to them. They're going to work with the media, of course, to blame the GOP for anything, but presidents tend to get the credit and the blame for the economy more than Congress does. The Democrats have a sympathetic media that helps them, but I don't know that that gets them very far this time. Now, events, of course, change things. Um, the, the Dobbs decision certainly did help change things and, and inspire Democrats to turn out in 2022. A recession, a, an economic downturn, calamity economically, I think does inspire a lot of the independents who decided, oh, I might as well go with the, the stability of the status quo that I can plan around over the instability of the GOP and push them towards the GOP. I mean, they already blame Biden for the economy. They're not suddenly going to blame the GOP for an economy they already thought sucked under Biden. The Republicans have to come up with a compelling message for them, though, and have a compelling messenger. But there's something bigger here at stake. For let's Can we pull the politics out of this discussion for a minute? I know it's, it's hard to pull politics out. But there is a lot of economic instability out there right now. So... I want to echo something I have said in the past. You can't depend on Washington, D.C. to take care of you in an economic downturn. You will have to take care of each other. You will have to take care of your family. I think Jeff Bezos is right that if you can make some cutbacks, you probably need to start figuring out what can be cut back. If you can save some money, figure out what you can save. But by and large, try to put yourself in a position to be able to be generous with other people when the government doesn't have the money to be generous with other people. On a bipartisan basis, neither the Democrats nor the Republicans are to blame. It is both sides are to blame. They have driven up the national debt to 30-some-odd trillion dollars. It's obscene how much debt this country has at the governmental level. It is debt that can't be waived away or filed bankrupt against uh, the government of the United States under the Constitution of the United States has a full faith and credit clause. They must pay their debts back. As interest rates go up, the debt service goes up more. That means we are headed towards some fiscal calamity because we're going to have less and less discretionary spending in the federal budget with interest rates up high. The government's not going to be able to subsidize people who are in the social safety net. You yourselves will have to be charitable. The government is not going to have the money for a robust defense against China, Russia, or any of our enemies the way we're going. The national debt is a great national security issue, even as members of Joe Biden's military claim climate change is a bigger threat. Our debt is the biggest threat to this nation right now. The one really good historic moment of divided government of the way we're having it is that we tend to get good fiscal 
uh, backbone by the GOP when they control the House and Democrats are everywhere else. They pick their fight on fiscal sanity. If they do that again, I think that helps the GOP. But something bad is coming in, in our economy. You've got people like Jeff Bezos. You've got a Warren Buffett and others telling people, get ready for this. Something's coming. It might be something unlike anything we've seen in the past, including the 2008-2009 bubble bursting. Get ready for it. And also, Republicans in Washington putting politics back into this conversation be let, ready to draw some lines in the sand on fiscal sanity. You're, you're not fiscally sane when you're in charge of everything. You spend just like the Democrats, but at least you have a history of urging budget restraint when the Democrats are in the White House. Someone is going to have to urge some fiscal restraint. Now, to the phones, I want to go to Caroline. You're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Caroline. How are you? Yes, I'm good, and how are you? Good. Well, uh, I know you love to talk about Trump. I think you talk about him a little too much. I like Maybe listening so. to your show, but some we need to just stop some of this about Trump, Trump, Trump. I'm tired of hearing about his name so much. But yeah. I don't think, what I'm seeing is that there are many different ways that this election went the way it went. And uh, we need somebody to come on and explain to us those different criteria of, you know, how people went about voting. Because in Florida, where most of my people are, they say that they have 800 people moving down there a day. So they, and, and down here in Georgia, we have a lot of people. It's the New South and people are moving. And all of these uh, states down here pretty much went Republican. And the thing about it is that they're saying, and I've met people, that it's cheaper to live down here. We're selling our homes. It's a retirement state, mm-hmm. and we love it down here. And so that may be one of the criteria that the votes went the way they We left the people up there that may not be as conservative. Well, and you then know, people there's are so actually mobile. some speculation, Caroline. That there's some speculation out there that uh, so many Republicans moved out of those states and moved south, moved to Texas, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, uh, that it left more and more Democrats behind, and they were able to, to, to shape the vote there. Now, I will tell you the data suggests that had something to do with it. But the data from the election day really shows there are a number of winnable states, including Pennsylvania and Michigan, for that matter, where there were enough Republicans and independents who could have voted for the GOP to save them, but they flipped to the Democrats. I, I Look, I agree with you. We're talking Trump too much. He, he, we just need to stop talking about him, and he'll go away. But it's kind of hard when he really is in the news. Um, he really, it, it's, it's kind of a dominant conversation, unfortunately. Uh, Kim, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. I, um, I wanted to really thank you for being real and honest with your listeners. Uh, you're, you're really spot on. Um, I'm a Georgia independent who voted for Kemp, but I also voted for Warnock literally for the sole reason of sending the message to the GOP that the, the shift away from Donald Trump needs to happen immediately. It's pretty critical for the party. Um, I've been over him since 2019, and once you're over the guy, you don't come back. You don't come back around. At the end of the day, and this is kind of rock bottom, but at the end of the day, you know that Biden will at least leave if he's voted out. Um, you don't know that with Trump, and you don't know that with his his uh, uh, endorsements, if you will, or, or candidates that, that he endorses. Um, and that's where it ends up going is that it, it, you don't even get to vote on the policies when he's around. 
that's what I feel like. Listen, Kim, I, I appreciate that very much. And, and I, I hope some Republicans are listening. There's, there's a lot of data out there. If the GOP is willing to listen to it on how they need to proceed, there's a lot of data out there. Uh, the question is, will they actually believe the data or will they dismiss the data? And I think there will be some who are dismissive of it, uh, but that is to their peril. There is a path forward for the GOP, and it's not a hard path to take for them, um, but they have to leave the past behind in order to do it. And oftentimes, leaving the past behind is a very hard thing to do. A lot of people want to dwell there. It's where their happy memories are. Um, but you got to move forward and make new memories if you want to win. Patriot Mobile wants to win, but they need your help to do it. And all you have to do is move your cell phone business to them. They're a cell phone provider. They have guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses. And they want your business. They share your values. They're Christian conservatives. They're really good people. What you can do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. You get free activation with my name. If you're worried about uh, service coverage, they have a very detailed map all the way down to your house at patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You can see how good the 5G is, the data, the voice, all of that. It's patriotmobile.com slash Eric. If you want to call them, you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. They've got 100% U.S.-based customer service. They give you great discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder. If you're a teacher, if you're an NRA member, gun owner, you, you call them. They can work with you. If you need a lot of lines because you got a lot of kids and they're at cell phone age and you actually need to give them cell phones, whether you want to or not, they need them, you can work with Patriot Mobile on a good family deal as well. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. That's uh, how you get to them. 972-PATRIOT. If you want to call them, tell them I sent you. You get free activation. You're working with Christian conservatives who dedicate a portion of their profits to the causes you care about. And that's really one of the best incentives I can give you to use them is they fund the causes you care about with the profits you help them generate. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. This is the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, they want to help your business grow. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buy the building, building, building. Getting a franchise, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. I want to go to Ken, waiting patiently. Ken, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. I just want to ask your opinion on the new Speaker of the House in Georgia, Mr. Burns. I'll hang up and listen to you answer. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Look, I, I appreciate Ken. So for those of you who don't know, the, the House Speaker in Georgia, David Ralston, is in poor health and has said he will stay in the House, but he will not serve as Speaker again. Uh, he's been replaced with John Burns. Uh, John Burns has been the Republican majority leader since 2015. Um, I really don't know him at all. I can tell you that a lot of the conservatives in the state were trying to get people to back uh, Barry Fleming, uh, which suggests Burns, who was kind of David Ralston's guy, we will see more of the same. Uh, probably um, more openness, however, they're is a sentiment that I gather from some of the members of the House that he will be less paranoid and punitive, I guess you could say, than the current than the, the outgoing speaker, that uh, there was a view among a lot of Republicans that uh, Ralston was, was deeply distrustful uh, of everybody and was kind of a bully. And most of them don't think that Burns will be the bully that Ralston's team around him in particular was. Um, so, but I don't know him. Don't don't know him. Uh, I know Chuck Ostration. We, he went to law school, uh, my alma mater. Very nice guy, uh, much more moderate than me, but not a bad guy. Um, 
very nice person. So, um, but definitely the House Republicans have chosen a much more moderate path uh, than the Senate Republicans. Uh, they've picked John Kennedy to be the new president pro tem there. Uh, John F. Kennedy, no doubt, is from Middle Georgia, knowing well, uh, a good friend, and the how the Senate in the Georgia will be more conservative than the House, which it has been for some time, particularly there with Burt Jones now as the lieutenant governor headed into Georgia. When we come back, we got to switch gears altogether. There is a political tie-in, though. FTX has collapsed. You're probably seeing a lot of stories about FTX, and you're wondering, what the heck is this? Well, it was a crypto exchange. The guy was a multi-billionaire, the largest donor to the Democratic Party for 2022. He's now worth a dollar, and he's fled the country. His parents are major Democratic boosters as well. He floated the Democratic Party this year, helped them, and now has no money. And a lot of people lost money as a result of what he did. Uh, The collapse of cryptocurrency is happening in real time right now. It is what I feared would happen. Uh, A lot of people really took advantage of it and and ran Ponzi schemes on something that could be seen as legit, but is now going to have a lot of doubts, more doubts raised than even before. Um, There's a fascinating backstory there uh, woven in through Jeffrey Epstein and the like with the collapse of FTX. I want to spend some time on this when we come back. I will take your phone calls as well. 877-973-7425 is the phone number. And then we got to round out the show with a little more state of play as we've got a lot of uncalled races around the country. I want to tell you where they are and why they're not yet called.